This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Vegas Golden Knights going back to the Stanley Cup final after beating the Dallas Stars last night, 6 nothing in game six so we now know who the stanley cup final matchup is going to be that's right it's vegas versus florida as we all expected just a few short weeks ago i don't even know when the playoffs started at this point months ago weeks ago it's all right cup final doesn't start until saturday uh, so we've got some time to tee up the matchup throughout the week here on hockey central 960 uh haley salvian with you for the next hour and through the rest of the week as we get ready for the stanley cup final to kick off um, as we begin the preparations to preview that cup final ben goats from the las vegas review journal is going to join us here shortly at the top of the hour and then later on in the show we're going to shift away from the playoffs and bring in tom galitti from nhl.com and chat a bit about some news the day the washington capitals have hired a new head coach for next season it's spencer carberry um a source told The Athletic that that's a four-year deal. Carberry was an assistant for the Toronto Maple Leafs for the last two years. Um, so that's some news of the day that we will talk about with Tom later on in the show. Uh, but for now, just looking back quickly at last night, I mean, it took less than four minutes to get a lead in that game for the Vegas Golden Knights, thanks to William Carrier. And Dallas never really had a shot after that. They looked flat. I mean, they looked flat for the first four minutes that allowed Vegas to get off to a good start. Um I think Dallas kind of ran out of runway after going down 3 nothing to a deep Vegas team with little to no holes up and down that lineup. Um, as everybody knows here, any loyal listener knows that I was a fan of the Dallas Stars. I had them going to the Stanley Cup final, but Vegas was too much. They have, they've got stars at the top of their lineup. They've got depth that is outscoring opponents 21 to 9. So the bottom six in Vegas when they are on the ice, are outscoring opponents at 5-on-5, five 21-9. Five, the bottom six, their depth, they're absolutely tilting the ice. They've got a goalie in Aiden Hill who is, who's come in, who was the third-string, fourth-string goalie, however you want to look at their goalie depth chart, and is now the number one that has led them to the Stanley Cup final. So a lot to like for the Vegas Golden Knights, but a lot to like about the Florida Panthers on the other side as well. Um, last night, the Golden Knights... Did not touch the Clarence Campbell Bowl after winning. Five years ago, after beating Winnipeg in the Western Conference Final, they did. And then they lost in five games to the Washington Capitals. Now, Vegas is a very different team now than they were then. They've got some of the original misfits still in the fold. Jonathan Marchso, Riley Smith. Um, they're different, but they're back in the Stanley Cup Final five years later and I think this team is a really interesting case study and they've built their team in a way that no other organization has in part because they had the kind of expansion draft that they had rules that had never happened before for an expansion team um but after that they went big game hunting for the last five years they've made aggressive acquisitions of proven experienced players in the prime of their careers they've taken big swing after big swing through free agency the trade market i mean we can look at the 
the trade for Jack Eichel, the most recently trading a haul of, you know, Alex Tuck, um, Peyton Krebs, first round picks to bring in Jack Eichel. They signed Alex Petrangelo to a mega deal a couple years ago in free agency in 2020. Um, I mean, we can even look back at the Mark Stone deal to bring him in, sending um, some picks and prospects to the Ottawa Senators to to get Mark Stone into the fold. And, and we all know how important he is to that organization. He's their captain. He's a power forward. Um, and, and he's been excellent for Vegas through the playoffs to this point. So is Jack Eichel. So has uh, Alex Petrangelo. So I think we can trace back some of those moves. We can also trace this back to owner Bill Foley, who was kind of the first to bring in a major sports franchise to Las Vegas. And when he got a warden expansion team, he said they would make the playoffs in three years and win the Stanley Cup in six. He is on track to hit both of those predictions that he so boldly made when the Vegas Golden Knights got their start. I think at times, especially last season, people looked at Vegas and wondered if they tinkered too much. Did they mess up that locker room? Did they mess up the vibes from year one? Did they get rid of too many misfits? I think it's easy to think that when a team misses the playoffs due to hundreds, I don't know, of man games lost due to injury last season. But when we look at it at the end of the day, Vegas is qualified for the playoffs in five of its six years of existence. In that time, the team has racked up 50 playoff wins, which is more than five clubs have had in their team history. It's also the second most playoff wins since the Golden Knights entered the league in 2018, only behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. And finally, by clinching their second trip to the Stanley Cup final on Monday night, they've now made it to the Cup final more times than seven different NHL franchises in their history and are tied with four, with five more, excuse me, all in six years. <laughs> so that's the brief history of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I believe we have Ben Goats on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline now. We can bring him in to join in the conversation. He covers the Golden Knights for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Ben, I don't know if you heard some of my uh, my kind of rant here about how the Golden Knights built this team. They're back. They're different. Uh, the you know they how they got here. I think is going to be so interesting because if they win, I think we'll look at the aggressive moves from from the front office in Vegas and say, yeah, wow, that's amazing. They were aggressive and it worked. And maybe if they lose, we'll be thinking, oh gosh, maybe they did too much. How do you kind of look at this? And welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks for hopping on here. Hey, no problem. Happy to be here. It was a good rant. You had a lot of good stats there about, you know, oh, how many people have to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> it was great. Um, I do think the Knights are going to be a fascinating case study for a lot of reasons. Because as you said, they've been, you know, so aggressive and it has cost them some key pieces along the way you look at what's happened from you know not only just that 2018 team to now but obviously even the players they've lost along the way you think of you know you get mark stone uh in you get alex petrangelo in and then immediately to make the salary cap work you trade nate schmidt an original misfit who's still absolutely beloved in this town you have to trade mm-hmm. paul stasny you get jack eichel you get rid of alex tuck who people love uh, peyton krebs a really good young prospect who i know the organization was really, really high on to make the salary cap work this offseason. You get rid of Max Pacioretty, who was such a you know a key part of some deep playoff runs. <laughs> for nothing. And listen, it's obviously, ultimately, all worked out for this team, which is the crazy part. Um, Jack Eichel has been 
the number one center that they thought he could be when they acquired him. Alex Petrangelo has 100% been a difference-making number one defenseman uh, for this team. And I think what's so impressive about what they've been able to do is obviously it's not just those big names that they've brought in, right? They've done a really good job winning on the margins as well, which maybe gets lost in kind of some of these big ticket acquisitions. But you think about Chandler Stevenson brought in for a fifth round pick. Uh, Michael Amadio, who scored last night, waiver wire. Uh, Aiden Hill, the goalie that posted two shutouts in the Western Conference final, was available from their biggest rival, the San Jose Sharks, for a fourth round pick in August of this year. Um, so their pro scouting staff has done a really good job filling out the edges uh, of this roster as well. I mean, even going up to the trade deadline, you've got Ivan Barbashev coming in and doing a really good job. So it has been just, I think, an overall really impressive uh, team-building job where, yes, you've got those kind of high-level acquisitions that everyone knows about in Stone, Eichel, Petrangelo. And so far to this point, I think the Knights would do those uh, again. But they've done a lot of little moves, too, to fill out their depth. And that's been the secret sauce of this team, that they have you know, four lines and three defense pairs that they feel confident in, no matter who on the opposition uh, is on the ice. And that's what's allowed them to be so successful in the regular season and now postseason. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really interesting to compare and contrast the way that Vegas and Seattle both uh, approached their expansion draft in their early years in the league too, right? Because you know, Vegas has made it to the cup final twice, but Seattle, you know, had a big turnaround in year two. Everyone hated what uh, Ron Francis did in year one. And then now this year it's like, oh, wow, they're way better when we, than we thought. They've got Maddie Veneers and Caps face. I wonder if we like what they did better. So something we're going to have to wait and see uh, who wins first or who wins more five, 10, 15 years down the road. But it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, looking at last night, Ben, Pete DeBoer said that the Golden Knights played the perfect elimination game. They win 6 nothing. It never really looked like Dallas stood a chance from that first goal from Will Carrier. How did you see last night play out? Yeah, I just thought their forecheck was so impressive. They were at it um, from puck drop. And, you know, you mentioned Will Carrier. It really felt like the fourth line led the way. And like I said, the depth has been so key for this team. So when you have your fourth line scoring two first-period goals, in an elimination game, I feel like it's really hard uh, for the other team to come back. Um, listen, full credit to the Knights for refocusing, right? It felt like they had started to kind of slip a little bit their grip on this series where they go up 3-0. They had that dominant performance in game three where Jamie Benn gets kicked out less than two minutes in. Then it feels like Dallas starts to get going, turn their game on a little bit. And um, the Knights, I think you could tell well, yesterday morning, just had this kind of confidence that they knew they were going to be able to right the ship uh, and get it done. And they responded with their biggest win uh, all season in terms of margin of victory. So I thought there's so much good that they did last night. The forecheck was really good. Uh, the de- defense was amazing. Uh, Aiden Hill said that was the best defensive form- performance they've had in the playoffs. He said it was the easiest game for him that he's had, even though he made 23 saves for his second shutout of the series so i mean really i think you'd have to nitpick really hard to find an area of the game that the knights weren't great in last night it was just one of those games for them (laughs) they've had a couple of those throughout the playoffs i want to touch on aiden hill for a second here i saw this from nhl pr nhl stats last night um so the goalies who have posted series clinching shutouts 
to get into the Stanley Cup final uh, over the last couple of years have been since 2003. Andre Vasilevsky, Tuka Rask did it twice, Braden Holpe, Ben Bishop, Henrik Lundqvist, Tim Thomas, Marc-Andre Fleury, and now Aiden Hill. He came into this series as you know, kind of the backup, third string, fourth string, depending how you want to look at the season, so many different injuries and look at the goalie depth chart. But he was not expected to play as much and play as well as he has. When were you sold on Aiden Hill as being the guy that can do this and be okay? I think it was game six where the narrative around Aiden Hill really started to change. Game six against Edmonton. I should say, uh, and that's when he gives up two goals on two shots to start that game, puts the Knights down two to one, and then makes 38 straight saves. The rest is a way to keep the Oilers off the board and get the Golden Knights uh, to the Western Conference Final. Uh, I remember talking to uh, one of Hill's kind of personal goalie coaches, Justin Cardinal from the Calgary area, and he said Aiden Hill had this like little smirk under his mask under the Oilers' second goal, and he was like, that's when I knew he was going to lock in and be okay and really has he locked in uh, the last couple games uh, he's been outstanding you could see signs of it down the stretch in the regular season when logan thompson got hurt right after the all-star break and aiden hill had to start being the nice number one he started putting up really good numbers and you could see the work that he put in with goaltending coach sean burke who's kind of been one of the nice unsung heroes of this year, getting them through five different starting goaltenders, uh, not including, of course, Robin Leonard, who was out for the entire year. Um, And Hill had done a lot of work, you know, being more patient, staying on his feet longer, taking more time to read plays and letting his kind of big frame and size do the work. And he had some really impressive performances kind of late February, early March. And then he gets hurt, and then he's basically out of NHL action for two months. So when he gets back into the crease against the Oilers, you're not exactly sure uh, what he's going to do. And what he's done since has, yeah, been spectacular. I mean, 7-3, and three, a 937 save percentage in the playoffs, 2.07 uh, goals against. I mean, he's one of the first guys to always credit his defense. But I think especially if you watch Game 4 and Game 5 against the Stars, uh, he's doing more than just kind of being the product of his defense. He's helping keep the Knights in games, even when they are uh, suffering breakdowns. I think his growth uh, has really been impressive to watch. And I think he's, you know, a reason that the Knights can feel confident in their goaltending, even entering uh, this series. I don't think, you know, people would have given them the advantage in the crease on paper in any of their three series so far. They probably won't be getting the benefit of the doubt again against Sergei Bobrovsky, but they've actually yet to lose a goaltending battle in these playoffs. And Hill is a big part of that. And Jack Eichel has yet to lose a playoff series in his career. I feel like I've gone through moments where I've said, yeah, if the Golden Knights win, you got to give it to Jack Eichel. However, I am starting to go a bit more on the William Carlson train lately. Four goals in three series clinching games. Is it like a, is it a battle between Eichel and Carlson? Is it all Eichel? Is it all Carlson? What are we thinking on Vegas end? I'm so close. I mean, they've both been so good. On both ends of the ice, too, I think that's the key thing where, you know, William Carlson obviously I think gets top marks for his defense because when the Knights have been at home, he's the guy that's gotten Mark Shifley. He's the one they're putting on McDavid. He's the one that they said, go get Rupe Hintz, and he's done a really outstanding job in all of those matchups, um, as well as, of course, contributing offensively because he's their team leader 
with 10 goals. So he's been such a key cog in what's allowed them to be successful in the playoffs. But you can't say Eichel is slouching on defense either. I mean, he's just been outstanding. The Knights have given up six goals in about four games worth of five-on-five ice time with him so far uh, in the playoffs. He's been doing it at both ends of the ice. I mean, the skating, the long reach, the size, they've obviously been working for him for a while on offense. And now he's really using those same tools to shine defensively. I mean, he's one of their first players back on the back check. He's stripping pucks, creating turnovers, doing everything in his power to kind of tilt the ice towards the Knights' favor. Um, and even though he didn't score, you know, in this past series against Dallas, you could really feel his impact uh, on a lot of these games, uh, especially, of course, in game two when he has that phenomenal behind-the-goal-line pass on his backhand to Jonathan Marcheseau to tie that one with less than three minutes to go in regulation. Um, he's really been getting it done. Uh, I think it's kind of probably a neck-and-neck race between both of those centers. I think Jonathan mm-hmm. Marcheseau, who's really come on strong with 17 points in 17 games, uh, has an argument too. Uh, but I think you've got to go with either Eichel or Carlson. And really, I think they'd both be strong picks at this point. This might be a tough one. I apologize for putting you on the spot here, Ben. Is this Golden Knights team better than the one that made it to the cup final in 2018? I think they would say that they're better because they have that star power that we've talked about, you know, Eichel, Mm -hmm. um, Stone, Petrangelo. And even if you talk to some of those guys yesterday and what they were saying is I think they feel that they're better because they have experience now. Um, Obviously, you've got Petrangelo, who's a Stanley Cup winning captain, Guys like Ivan Barbashev, Chandler Stevenson, uh, Alec Martinez, even guys who are not playing like Phil Kessel and Jonathan Quick around, you know, guys who have been through this before know what it takes to win. Um, But even some of the guys from the original team, you know, yesterday, we're talking about, you know, we were just kind of along for the ride back then and just enjoying the magic of the moment in our inaugural season. But now we really understand, you know, what's at stake here, what it takes, and how hard it is to ultimately get this done. And so I do think that's really benefited them throughout the playoffs. Uh, Marshall has talked about previously, you know, I think in the inaugural season, we looked ahead, right? We beat Winnipeg in five games, winning four straight in that series. We win game one against Washington in the cup final. And we thought we had made it. And then we lose four straight and lose the cup and everything else. And this team, I think has really built off that and learned not to do that and kind of take it, you know, one game at a time with, is a cliche but I think they've lived it so far (laughs) this postseason and so I think in all those ways they've grown up a little bit since 2018 where they feel you know a little bit more mature that was the word that William Carrier who's been on both teams used yesterday and I think that's shown at different times I think what's really been great to watch with this team is you mentioned their depth. Um, it's a team that doesn't seem to have a lot of holes right now. Uh, one stat that, that I found today was their, with their bottom six on the ice, the Golden Knights are outscoring opponents 21 to nine. So they've got the depth. They've got Aiden Hill and they've also got a really great story in their head coach, Bruce Cassidy. So he gets fired by the Bruins and then goes to Vegas, watches the Bruins flame out in the first round after having this historic regular season, uh, beats Pete DeBoer, who was the former coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, and then makes it to the cup final in his first year in Vegas. Like, How great of a story has that been to track for Bruce Cassidy? And what has he brought to the Golden Knights that they maybe lacked under Pete DeBoer? 
Yeah, I think he's brought so much uh, to this team so far this year. I mean, it obviously starts with his defensive system, right, which has been so, so impressive throughout the playoffs. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but I believe it's three high-danger chances the Knights allowed last night to the Dallas Stars, the fewest they've given up uh, all postseason. Like I said, Aiden Hill said it was his easiest game of the playoffs, and that's what's working for the Knights when they're clicking. That's why they've been able to start a franchise record five goaltenders this year and still wind up with the number one seed in the Western Conference and another Pacific Division championship. Um, He's really done a good job there. I think he's done a really good job leaning into this team's depth. It's one thing to say, oh, look, we have four lines and three defense pairs. It's another thing to actually live that out in practice where he's willing to give the fourth line uh, led by Nick Waugh minutes against the other opponent's top line and not worry about it. He's willing to give difficult assignments to third-pair defenseman Nick Haig and Zach Whitecloud, uh, and he's willing to roll his lines on the road no matter what and not kind of vary things so that players are, you know, looking over at him on the bench all the time being like, uh, am I going out next? Is he going out next? What's the deal here? Uh, they've just <laughs> gone one through four and really been able to utilize all the different guys uh, on their roster. Um, and I also think he's done a really good job growing the game of some of the nice kind of under-the-radar players that have allowed them to have that depth in the lineup where you've got a guy like Michael Amadio, a former waiver pickup who's with William Carlson and Riley Smith, and his work on the boards has really improved this year. His ability on the forecheck has taken an increase, and that, I think, comes down to you know casting what he's been trying to get out of him all year. Same with a guy like Brett Howden, working with Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone. You know He's definitely added a lot more net front drive to his game, been able to open up space for those other two guys. And because players like that have seen an increased role and have developed quite a bit, you know, the Knights have been able to lean on their depth more because they're leaning on duos rather than necessarily stacking lines where you can get away with Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone with, you know, kind of, for lack of a better term, a third wheel like Brett Howden. Same with Carlton <laughs> Smith. And then you have a Matteo and then top line of Jack Eichel, Jonathan Marcheseau, and you put a trade deadline acquisition like Ivan Barbashev, who's also a net front guy who's really good on the forecheck there. So I think he's done a good job balancing all these groups and getting you know what's required out of different depth pieces to allow the Knights to be able to kind of stack up with almost anyone they've seen. It's been great to watch. I mean, I feel like we can assume that William Carlson is going to get a ton of minutes against Matthew Kachuk. Uh, maybe if he can lock him down, that'll free up, you know, the Jack Eichels and the Mark Stones to get to work in the offensive zone. Uh, I think this is going to be a really fun and uh, close Stanley Cup final. At least I hope it'll be. Who knows? I feel like my predictions have all gone straight out the window the last couple weeks here. But thanks for doing this, Ben. I hope you enjoy the Cup final. No, sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Anytime. There goes uh, Ben Goats from the Las Vegas Review Journal. If you have a prediction that you want to make for the Stanley Cup final, let us know on the text line 960-960. I went with Florida. I've got to, I'm not going to lie with you, even though everything that we just talked about convinced me that Vegas is probably the best team left. Um, but I kept picking against the Panthers throughout the first three rounds of the playoffs, and I was wrong every single time. So am I going to be right this time? Did I just reverse jinx the Florida Panthers? We'll find out when the Stanley Cup final begins on Saturday. Um, little wrinkle here with the schedule. If this Stanley Cup final goes to seven, 
Game 7 will be on June 19th, which is uh, pretty late. And then the NHL draft is nine days later, 28th and 29th of June. So things are going to go pretty quick here. And then right after the draft, we're going to have free agency. Things are going to go pretty fast and furious for the next couple weeks. Has anyone seen Fast X yet? (laughs) I don't even know what's happening in those movies anymore. I'm not even going to ask. And that conversation with Ben Goats, by the way, is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. And thanks again to Ben for joining us on the show. Um, always a great chat with Ben. And some other headline news today, as we mentioned, and we're going to get into this after the break here on the show, the Washington Capitals have hired Spencer Carberry as the new head coach of the team. A source told The Athletic today that it is a four-year deal for Carberry. He's been an assistant for the Toronto Maple Leafs for the last two seasons where he was tasked mainly, uh, or at least publicly that we're aware of, with running the Leafs power play, which was the second best power play in the league in the regular season. Uh, he was also the head coach of the Capitals AHL affiliate in Hershey for three years before that. Uh, The Capitals parted ways with former head coach Peter Laviolette last month. He was the coach of the Caps for three years. And Washington missed the playoffs this season after a 35-37-10 record. That's the most losses the team has had since 2006-2007. Uh, So we're going to dig into that a little bit more coming up next when Tom Galetti joins us on the show. Um, Some other news and notes here from around the league. Andrew Burnett is expected to officially be hired by the Nashville Predators, replacing John Hines. Nashville is going to be really interesting next season. Andrew Burnett's going to be taking over a team that is in transition. They have some young forwards on the way, but also some really aging, expensive players trying to hold them off. But I think at the end of the day, with UC Soros in net, Andrew Brunette's going to have a pretty good chance to end his debut in Nashville with a postseason berth. Uh, Peter Laviolette, by the way, is already being closely linked to the New York Rangers. Um, so lots going on. Lots of jobs being filled around the league right now. Looks like teams are kind of getting their, um, getting all of their news and hiring done before the Stanley Cup final games begin. That's typically a time when, when teams don't really announce some of their news. Don't take don't take the spotlight away from the Cup final, so announce it all right now or wait until it's over. So as I mentioned, it's going to be a mad dash until the Cup final starts. Lots of news coming in, and then in that week between the end of the Stanley Cup final and the NHL draft free agency. Things are going to get pretty busy here. Uh, The Toronto Maple Leafs, they're still looking for a general manager. And Kyle Dubas, meanwhile, has been the subject of lots of rumors and speculation in Pittsburgh and Ottawa. Some reports that he's waiting to see what happens with the Sens' ownership before he commits to anything. Lots flying around right now. Nothing's really been confirmed. We're kind of in a holding pattern and wait and see when it comes to Dubis, the Leafs, the Send sale. But we're going to make sure we ca- catch you all up on that here on the show. And as mentioned, coming up next, we're going to dive into some more on the Washington Capitals and their new head coach with Tom Galitti from NHL.com when we come back on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan. 
You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Hockey Central 960 continues here on this Tuesday afternoon. Stanley Cup final matchup is set. It's the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers game one. Not until Saturday, but that's okay because we have other news around the league. Washington Capitals hired a new coach. Preds are expected to do the same. Rangers are still looking. Leafs are looking for a GM. Lots to get to. Uh, so as we go back to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline, we are joined now by Tom Goulady from NHL.com. Let's break down some uh, some Caps news. Tom, thanks for doing this. How are you today? I'm doing well, Haley. Glad to be on with you. How's things there? Awesome. Yeah, everything's going well. Not, no, no complaints. Lots to talk about, which yeah. is great. Makes makes my life easier. I don't have to work yeah. as hard when the news is just flowing. So. Don't have to think too. Like much you said, this one. there's no games <laughs> until Saturday, but it's really busy with a lot of a lot of stuff that's going to have to happen between now and the and the draft, right? Or or even after the yeah. draft. Seems like. But yeah. now, May 30th to July 2nd, I think is going to be a lot. <laughs> yes. Yes. A lot of things are going to be going on for for all of us here. Um, but let's start with the Washington Capitals. Tom, they announced that they've hired Spencer Carberry as their next head coach. He's going to be replacing Peter Laviolette. Uh, Carberry spent his last two seasons on the bench in Toronto after coaching the Hershey Bears for three years. That's the Caps AHL affiliate. What's uh, what's your thought on the news of the day? Let's just start there. How do you what do you think about this, Tom? Um, I think it, w- it wasn't really. A big surprise because I, I know that the Capitals have always liked uh, Spencer Carberry. You know, back from when he worked for for Hershey and when he left a couple of years ago to go work for the Leafs, they just didn't have room for him on their staff in in Washington. So I think there was always, you know, back then even I think they were like, well, we, we see this guy as a future head coach at some point. And now, you know, Peter Laviolette's contract was up. They made a decision, uh, really silly both sides, that he wouldn't be back, and then they had an opening and. I guess Spencer also had some other teams interested in him too, so it was a, it was a kind of a popular guy. It shows like a kind of um, where, where how he's viewed around the league that other teams wanted to talk to him. But I think I think he if he was the number one guy on the Capitals list, and and today they you know they made it official that he's going to be their guy. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think he is the right fit for the Washington Capitals, and and why do you think that they kind of opted for a first time head coach? In the NHL, at least. Yeah, they, they've done that in the past before. You know, uh, Todd Reardon before, Pierre Laviolette, a few other coaches before that. Um, obviously, uh, they had Adam Oates and some, and mm-hmm. before that, Bruce Boudreau, first-time NHL coaches. But I, I just think that they felt that with him, in particular, he's worked with some of their, uh, Spencer's worked with some of their younger players in, in Hershey. Um, they're looking to get younger, and um, he could be a good guy to kind of be that bridge for them. You know, relate to the veteran guys because um, he's worked with some star players there in, in Toronto, but also knows how to work with young players. And I, I, it's kind of a you know, beginning kind of a transition here. Or maybe it's already started. The team didn't make the playoffs this year, obviously, and they're going to try to get back. And they want to have a competitive team around Alex Ovechkin, where they're you know he still you know still a forty goal scorer last year and it's going for a record. They think in the next couple of years, it looks he's on pace to break a record in the next couple of years. And mm-hmm. So they want to have a competitive team around him, but they also want to get younger and kind of, kind of walk this tightrope of transitioning from this Ovechkin era to the next era. And I, I think they feel, you know, that Spencer could be a good guy for that for that job. 
Right. It's a bit of a team in transition almost, or they're almost kind of stuck uh, between two different points. I wouldn't even say they're totally transitioning to get younger, as you mentioned, because they still want yeah. to be competitive. But I think Carberry adds... Um, it's the familiarity is a strength kind of aspect, right? I think he could be an up and coming coach with a fresh perspective, but he also has experience with the operation with the capitals organization, having worked with the AHL affiliate. Um, he's worked with some of the key figures and ownership management. He has also coached, I think a couple of Washington's top prospects, right? Connor McMichael. There's lots of familiarity there, which could, which could be beneficial for the organization and, and for Carberry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Those are those are things that factored into it. You mentioned Connor McMichael. They have uh, um, Martin Ferrari, who's uh, played for Washington the last couple of years as a, a defenseman. But he's you know he he worked with with Carberry also as well. You know, at some for a little while in Hershey. So, and they're going to want to bring some more of those guys and transition them into into the NHL roster. Um, I think they'll probably be make, trying to make some moves here, as we were just talking about between now and. July 2nd, that's going to also kind of try to strengthen their roster and maybe make it younger than it has been. Um, but like you said, they're kind of stuck also because they're still trying, you know, as long as you have Alex Ovechkin on the team and they feel like they can still they can still be competitive, it's going to be hard. And you look at the, the Metropolitan Division and the Eastern Conference in general, uh, there are teams that are coming up behind them. Uh, you know, New Jersey got in this year and they're not going anywhere. You know, Buffalo, Ottawa, you know, you could name several teams, Detroit, those, these teams that are that are kind of on the cusp are going to be, you know, them and Pittsburgh are trying to hang on here and get some more productive years out of their, out of their, you know, marquee players, their franchise players, but also try to, you know, trans, like we said, transition so that they can remain competitive and, and get younger for a longer period of time and work and be competitive for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think some of the next off season priorities are going to be for the Capitals to, you know, continue to, make the playoffs. I mean, this was the first time they haven't made the playoffs in, in quite a while. They had their worst season by a, the loss standpoint since 2006, 07 last season. So lots to do to kind of get back into that column. What, uh, what do you think is next on that off season checklist for, for the Capitals? I, I think they would like to add um, a top six forward. I mean, obviously with everyone, everyone would, um, I think they just need to kind of switch up the Knicks they have up, up, up at that part of their, their lineup. Um, they had so many injuries last year, and um, that was a factor in where, where they ended up. But, all, you know, and some of that's unavoidable with a team that's older, older team than one of the oldest teams in the leagues, and some of the injuries, uh, or, you know, that's going to happen. Some of the other things were bad luck, you know, like Tom Wilson missing, you know, the first half of the season with his, you know, ACL injury and some other things, and John Carlson unfortunately getting hit in the head with a, with a shot, and that cost him about half the season. So, you know, they're hoping with good luck with that with those guys coming, you know, those guys being healthy all year and then mm-hmm. bring in a, another top six forward to help kind of strengthen, give some more support around Alex Ovechkin in that top six, top nine, um, and maybe some of their younger player, players fitting into there as well to get younger and faster. It's a getting, you know, we, we've seen it's a younger, faster league, and maybe, you know, they're not – one of the issues with the Capitol last year was playing fast, and they could play fast at times but not, you know, not consistently. So needing to add some more speed to their forward lap would, would definitely help with that. Um, you know, one of the interesting points, and I believe you tweeted about this as well, Tom, looking at Carberry again, he's going to be reunited with Scott Allen. They worked together in Hershey as recently as two years ago. Do you think the Caps are going to look to maybe fill out the rest of their bench staff with an assistant or associate coach that has a bit more NHL experience? 
I think that's definitely something to look for with them because, you know, usually when you bring in a first-time coach, you have some kind of support for him that has experience coaching, uh, you know, in the NHL. So I would, I would not be surprised if they bring in someone like that who's maybe been a, a long-time assistant coach in the NHL, maybe has some head coaching experience, and he'd be someone for Spencer Carberry to lean on, and, you know, as he goes, as he learns kind of bit, a little bit on the job about the coaching in the NHL as a head coach. Um, for all the experience he does have, you know, this is still something he has not done before as a head coach at the NHL level. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that. And they do need a, uh, an assistant coach to kind of work with their defensemen. So uh, that might be an area where they could do, do something like that. Someone who could come in and run the defense, be kind of a someone, you know, a sounding board, a, an experienced person for Spencer Carberry to lean, lean on as, they, as he goes, you know, kind of gets the experience of being an NHL head coach for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch how this Caps team kind of tracks in the offseason. I guess maybe taking a look, Peter Laviolette uh, was obviously let go by the team to usher in Carberry for this position. There's already been some reports from NHL insiders that Laviolette is is gaining some traction and some interest and or is being linked let's say that's the safe way to say it he's being linked to the New York Rangers having covered the Caps and, and written about this team and watched Laviolette coaching them behind the bench for the last three seasons what do you think that he could add to the bench in, in New York perhaps that Gerard Gallant did not um, I don't. I, th- I think it's just that Peter's a guy who's been able to get results, uh, and you know, he didn't unfortunately with the Capitals, and some of that was kind of. Mm-hmm. It's a weird. He was in a weird situation with the Capitals that he came in. It was the first year was the COVID year, which was really strange, and then they've had lots of lots of injuries the last two years where they did not have their full lineup the whole year. So I think if he went to a team like the Rangers, where they're a little bit younger, but they have some experienced guys, and they're looking to make the, take the next step, that, I think that would that could be a good fit for him. A job like that, you know, they they didn't, you know. But yeah, some of the Rangers this year, we you know, last year they made it to the the conference final, and you assume that you take the next step, and it's not that easy. So they kind of ran into it in the Devils this year, and I'm sure they're going to tweak some things in their lineup, and maybe and they feel like they need a coach that could push them a little bit more than has experience. You know, Gerard Gallant has similar some some similar I think some similar strengths to Peter Laviolette, but you know Peter Laviolette is a guy who's won the Stanley Cup before, has been to the Stanley Cup final two other times. The guy is pushed to win. Uh, I think the Rangers are entering the win-now phase uh, for them, and he's a guy who wants to win now, so that might be a good fit in that way. Transitioning a bit to some of the playoff conversation with you, Tom, um, the Golden Knights did not touch the Clarence Campbell Bowl last night. They did it in 2018 before losing in five in the cup final. However, as you noted, the Capitals touched the Prince of Wales trophy in 2018 before they beat the Vegas Golden Knights. I apologize for everyone if you're having a problem uh, understanding where I'm going with this question. Basically, in 2018, touching the conference final trophy was not a factor. Or maybe it's potentially well, never a factor. Do you believe in this Never stuff? a factor. It's never a factor. But, what, you know, I am not one to tell teams how they want to celebrate. I, I just think, you know, like the that they didn't win, that the Vegas Golden Knights didn't win in 2018 because they touched the trophy. Well, <laughs> if the team that won touched the trophy, how does that fit? You, know, like, you just lost. They cancel each other out. Didn't, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, maybe one trophy is more, more of a jinx than the other. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, last, last year the Colorado Avalanche t- touched the you know, Clarence Campbell Bowl and they won the Stanley Cup. So, But to each team its own, if it makes them feel better that they touched it last time and then and didn't win, so they needed to try something differently and, and not touch it this year. 
That's great. But I, I, I like to think that uh, touching and not touching the conference trophy uh, final has uh, – <laughs> You know that has nothing to do with how these teams are going to play when they start on Saturday. So it's um, the, it's the funniest little thing to track, I think, um, for those who do care. The Florida Panthers did touch the Prince of Wales Trophy, so they take that with a grain of salt, or <laughs> yeah, or you know, place your bets for Florida Cup. Here we go. I don't know. I think I reverse jinx the Florida Panthers, Tom. I picked against them for the first three rounds, and then I picked them to win. So I feel like. I might have done something wrong uh, along the way. You and I are the same. I am. I picked against them for three rounds, and I said I'm not doing it again. So I picked them. <laughs> so if they if they lose, then it's both of our faults, I guess. Sorry to the yeah. Florida Panthers and all their fans yeah, yeah, yeah. in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Um, you guys had a really good piece on NHL.com, Tom, looking at who's more valuable to the Florida Panthers. In the first segment of the show, we were looking at the debate in Vegas, at least between Jack Eichel. William Carlson, maybe sprinkle in Aiden Hill there. But with the Panthers, I think it's a, it's a two-horse race if the Florida Panthers win the Cup. Matthew Kachuk, Sergei Bobrovsky, who do you think is more valuable to the Florida Panthers in this postseason? Oh, well, it's funny. When we did a little thing like who should win the con spice after two rounds, and I took Matthew Kachuk, and mm-hmm. then he went and scored, what, three game, two overtime goals, another game winner, yeah. and insisted on another. And now I say that it's Sergei Bobrovsky. <laughs> so what does that tell you? I, I, I just saw the way Bobrovsky played last round, and com, com, what he's done the last two rounds really has been really impressive. I, I think he's the main reason. Why, there are other reasons, but I think he is the main reason why uh, Florida has gotten this far. He's covered up some of the some of the flaws. As, so that's what happens sometimes with goaltending. I think they easily could have that series could have gone. Some of those games could have gone another, the other way. The first game of that series, I thought, was you know. I went, he gave up the second goal um, early in the third period in the power play, and I remember sitting next to Sean Rourke, my colleague, I'm going, he doesn't look like he's going to give up another goal. Like, So how long is it going to take mm-hmm. for Florida to score one? <laughs> and then it took until almost the end of the fourth overtime for them. And he just had that look this round where it just didn't look, you know, he, through the first three games, he only gave up three goals, and that was not just three games. That was whatever it was, like 13 periods or something like that. So right. he, to, me, he was, to me, he was the main factor in that series and in the – and in the series against Toronto, I think the first round was a combination of things, including Roski and including Kachuk. But to me, the last two rounds in particular, I think that Roski has been the main reason why they're where they are, with Kachuk a very close second. There's a lot to like about this uh, Stanley Cup final if we're looking at you know two first-year head coaches on their well, first year with their new teams, I should say. These are two right. veteran head coaches in their first year with the team that they're coaching in Bruce Cassidy and Paul Maurice. You've got the Matthew Kachuk factor. There's so much star power on the Vegas Golden Knights, a lot of depth. But then there is that Sergei Bobrovsky factor, and I think we had this great conversation with Ben Goats from the Las Vegas Review-Journal about the Golden Knights, and it just made me think, like, this is a really hard team to beat. But then, yeah, as you mentioned, Bobrovsky – it doesn't matter how many stars and how much depth that the Vegas Golden Knights have if Sergei Bobrovsky continues to play the way that he has. Can he do it for, I guess, four more wins, potentially seven more games? I'm not sure, but I haven't seen a reason to, to start doubting him now. He's been excellent. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, just, it's a weird situation now where they're going to be off for a week and a half. Is he going to lose his rhythm? Where he was, that he was in, clearly. I mean, those are things. You know, Florida is worried about just the, as a whole, as a team, after this long layoff. You know, they were playing really well, and now they're going to have a break of about 
what is it, 10 days, and they're going to go into this series against Vegas, who they'll have four days off, so they're not, I don't think they're really going to lose their kind of game rhythm with that break. But, you know, it's going to be a challenge, I think, early in that series. And, and Bobrovsky is the guy you're going to watch. Is Bobrovsky going to be the same Bobrovsky, or is he going to lose that, you know, that, that game feel that he had where he was really just, just locked in? So yeah. um, th- those are those are the first things you look for in game one, right? And then and then we'll go from there. But uh, like you said, it's, I think it's going to be an interesting final. I'm with you. Uh, well, thank you so much for doing this, Tom. We'll have to check back in because it's going to be a really busy next four weeks in the NHL. We got the cup final. We got the draft. I mean, what, there's buyout windows opening at some point. There's free agency opening up in the next four weeks. Lots to dig into. We'll have to do this again. Thanks, Tom. Yes, I look forward to it. Thanks, Haley. All right. There he goes. It's Tom Gulady from NHL.com. He's a regional writer. You can catch all of his work uh, on NHL.com on the league's website. Um, interesting point about Sergei Bobrovsky and the rest factor. I feel like on the one hand, you could think is Sergei. Can, I'm so sorry. My dog is snoring so loudly. If you can hear that, it's not it's not me. I do the show from home and I have a French bulldog and he is snoring right now so if listeners can hear that i do i do greatly apologize i feel like i needed to address that so people don't think that i'm snoring on my own show um i'm wrapping up quickly i i promise if you're bored you can turn off the radio soon on the sergey bobrovsky rest factor as we bring up the snoring dog yes there's a thought that maybe he could start to lose that it factor that he had But if we look at the regular season to the playoffs, his last game of the regular season was on March 27th. Uh, The team really rode Alex Lyon a lot, and he ended up playing in the first round. He was their starter. But then when you look at the first round, um, he didn't get his first game in the first round of the playoffs. We're talking about Sergei Bobrovsky until April 21st. So he went about he went almost a month without starting an NHL game and that kind of rest allowed him to uh, be this locked in goalie that we're seeing. So I wonder, should you think that Sergei Bobrovsky is going to lose the it factor after having 10 days off, or is he going to be rested and look dominant some more? That's the big question. We've got lots of time to contemplate that as we wait for the Stanley Cup final to begin on Saturday. Uh, We can get all that preview stuff here, all the breaking news and more on Hockey Central 960 throughout the week. We'll see everybody on Wednesday on Sports at 960 The Fan.